Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. Um, this, I know this for some people, uh, they may be a little bit nervous or afraid about uh, going into a room with lots of people in worship, so this may be the way that you are getting any kind of spiritual sustenance, so I hope that um, this is helpful for you. We are uh, just started a new sermon series here at Urban Village called This Is Us, as we explore the different stages of a person's life and how it relates to their own faith life. So I'll talk about that in a moment. But before I do, let's read the scripture passage for today. This comes from 1 Samuel. It's part of the larger story of David and Goliath. This is 1 Samuel 17, verses 31 through 40. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for them. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if if it turned against me... I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord, who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took a staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. May God's blessing be on the reading and hearing and living out of this word. When I was in college, there was another student there whose name was Christine Coons. And so, understandably, we would, from time to time, get each other's mail. It wasn't a big deal. I could just put her mail back into the campus mailbox and highlighted it so they knew which box to put it in. But then the night of our senior class's baccalaureate came up. I was one of the, actually one of the speakers that night, and afterward, this woman comes up to me and said, Are you Chris Kuhn? This woman was about 25 years older than I was, and she didn't look familiar, and I said I was, and she introduced herself as Christine Coons, the mysterious Christine Coons. I laughed and said it was a pleasure to finally meet you. She shook my hand and then held out a paper bag for me to take. I think this was meant for you, she said. I said thanks, and she went on her way, and I didn't know what this was. But later, I opened it, and I was embarrassed to see that one of my high school friends had sent me a postcard from when he went on spring break. The postcard featured a prominent picture of a topless woman. I never saw Christine Coons again, and to this day, I wonder what she must think of me. Well, this is kind of a humorous story of what happens when our identities are mistaken. We live in an age where mistaken identity or identity theft are very serious, and it doesn't only happen for financial reasons. We can laugh about all this, but if we're honest with ourselves, mistaken identity is no laughing matter, especially if we are the ones who are mistaking our own identity. 
I mentioned earlier that we are in the, or we are at the start of the sermon series called This Is Us, where we explore different phases of life. You know, every stage in development brings new gifts, but also new challenges, new insights into the nature of God. So in this series, we're going to be looking at different stages of development, childhood, adolescence and young adulthood, middle age, and then being an older adult. Hopefully, we'll see in each life experience that there are gifts that God gives to us, but also challenges that must be faced in order to move forward and grow. We hope that this will build our own spiritual muscles for spiritual expansion and also help to build intergenerational community as we come to appreciate one another's unique offerings. Throughout all of these stages, we'll be looking at things like safety, identity, meaning, and acceptance. All the while, we hope that we grow in Jesus' grace this Lenten season. We'll use two different resources. Certainly, we'll use the scriptures, but also we'll use the work of Eric Erickson, who is a psychologist, 20th century psychologist. He developed one of the most popular and influential theories of psychosocial development. Today, we're focusing on young adulthood, adolescence and young adulthood, and we'll be taking a look at the fifth stage. He, Erickson developed eight of these stages. We're combining some of these because we only have four weeks that we'll be doing this series. But this fifth stage, I mentioned earlier that identity will be one of the themes, and that's what we're talking about today. In this fifth stage, uh, teens, adolescents, and young adults are going through the stage of identity and confusion. One of the main elements of Erickson's theory is the development of what he called ego identity. This is a sense of self that's developed through social interaction. And of course, that's always changing because of experiences and information that we have. But this stage is really centered on developing a personal identity. And hopefully, when we complete it, it leads to a stronger sense of self that will remain with us through the end of life. So we see here today an adolescent slash young adult who has a pretty strong sense of self, and that's David. So to give us a little bit of context to what's going on here, we read from chapter 17, if we had, if you go back and look at chapter 16, we read that the Israelites need a new king. The current king, Saul, that's, he's also mentioned in today's passage, Saul not doing a great job. God seems to be displeased with Saul. And God seems to have David in mind. Now, in the passages in 16, it seems like David is elected, even chosen. But in 17, still, we have some characteristics that show that this is a young man who has a skill set to be a a leader, maybe even a king. One scholar says that we have a a young man ascending in through his own resourcefulness, cool courage, and quick reflexes, and also through his rhetorical skill. So that's David. Now we have also a notice earlier in chapter 17 that the Israelites are fearful with this group of this army called the Philistines, particularly one fighter, one soldier named Goliath. Earlier also in chapter 17, the writer goes through some pretty detailed information about how formidable Goliath is. So it's understandable in verse 11 when we read, When Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So they want to know who's going to be there for us. Who will fight Goliath? David is nothing if not confident. Verse 32, let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. 
The fact that he refers to himself in the third person may be another good reason of why he's meant to be a king. And now here we have, there's a back and forth between Saul and David. So David steps forward, says, I'm the one. But Saul says, you are just a boy. David, trying to convince him, says, I can do it. I have experience. I mean, think about these lions and bears that I have taken on. Saul changes his mind a bit. He says, okay, go, but wear my armor. Have you ever had someone say to you, I believe in you, but I'm not sure just how much. I trust you, but to a certain point. I think this is one of the struggles that parents have with their children as they go through this fifth stage of identity development, that we want to trust our teens, but we also know that as teenagers don't always make the right decisions, so we trust them to a certain point. You know, adolescents face these challenges. They're entering into this time where they're trying on different behaviors and appearances as they begin to formulate their identity. This is a hard task. So many different factors play in. I was reading one article this week on a website called lumenlearning.com, and they named the fact that such factors as family life, environment, and social status, all of these things are playing on an adolescent's mind as they begin to develop their identity. So things are ident- are influencing us, our, our families certainly, the friends that we have, the context that we are in. Social status is very important. All of these things influence. And so when we think about identity development, on the one hand, we might think, well, that's certainly something that teens, young adults go through. But we also realize that might be something that we are still going through, getting a sense of who we are and the influences that others can still have on us to this day. A friend of mine who uh, went into uh, the ministry and then went, he's now a therapist, and he talked about, he grew up uh, in Peru and talked about when he was a, about this stage, adolescent, young adult, and told his father that he wanted to think about the ministry. His father was not <clears throat> a person of faith, and his father uh, was worried And so he said, maybe you should go to see therapy first, because he wasn't quite sure that uh, his son was supposed to do that. He thought maybe he had some sort of mental illness, because who in their right mind would think about going into the ministry? So we can see here an example of this, somebody going through this fifth stage and the influence that a family member might have on his own sense of who he was. Maybe David was feeling these things too, feeling the pressures of of environment, social status, family, all of these things trying to influence who he was. We see that maybe because in verse 39, I think this is one of the key verses of this passage. It tells us, David strapped Saul's sword over the army, over the armor, I should say, and he tried in vain to walk for he was not used to them. So here we see Saul says, you can do it, but try to be like me. Wear my armor when you go out there. And maybe because of this, David feeling a little bit of pressure, like, okay, I should probably be somebody who I'm not. And so he tries it on, but he can't quite do it. Now, here's a key component of this where we begin to see David's own identity really coming to the forefront. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I am not used to them. So David removed them. David had the courage, the strength to remove them, to get a true sense of who he was, perhaps a sense of who he was in God's eyes, 
And we see here a remarkable formation of identity, especially as it was grounded in this faith. Oh, gosh. How much of our life is living an identity that someone else has given us? How often in our lives have we worn armor that isn't ours? We're influenced by others, by the environment, by social status, so that we live into this life that's not truly who we are. We see this time and again at at Urban Village, particularly our LGBTQ members and the struggle that so many of them have because of their their religion, uh, their church, their family, as they begin to have a sense of coming out, but others say, no, that's not who you are. And so they go through this painful conversion therapy. And I've heard just so many awful stories about this as they struggle with, this is my identity, but others are telling me it's not. And also, I think this happens to people of color. I've been reading uh, the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. And each chapter in the book looks at different components of being an anti-racist, meaning how do we see power? How do we see biology? How do we see body? This week I was reading the chapter on behavior. And in this, uh, it's, in this chapter, as he talks about behavior, he writes this. He says, every time someone racializes behavior, describes something as quote-unquote black behavior, they are expressing a racist idea. To be an anti-racist is to recognize that there's no such thing as racial behavior. So imagine then a young black girl or black boy who are told because of the racist idea that all blacks are lazy or dumb. And so they put that on that young boy or girl and that begins to have an impact on who they are and what their identity is. This is the kind of armor that they don't want or ask for, but it's what our society too often puts on them. So these are just a couple of examples. And also, I think we all go through this, that the decisions that we make about who we are, what our identity is, again, especially as children of God, and how do we live that out? How do we, as a person of faith, as a Jesus follower, how do we authentically be who we are in the world when so many other forces are telling us to either tone it down or to be a particular kind of Christian? One of the stories I always think about happened fairly early on in Urban Village. And uh, there was a woman who we'd been worshiping, I want to say a year or two And there was a woman uh, that uh, I will call Sarah. And Sarah started coming. She and her uh, partner were interested. And Sarah's partner actually was the one who wanted to start attending church. Sarah didn't have much of a background in faith. And so she came along to support her partner. And Sarah discovered something that something about this church, something about what we were saying was having an impact on her, which she didn't understand because, again, she grew up in a, a pretty secular household. And so she would write me these really lovely emails, like really wrestling with these questions about who is God and how can it be that I'm beginning to maybe think that I believe in God. And so we exchanged these these emails and it got to the point where she thought, I think I might actually be becoming a Christian. And the thing that was a little bit unnerving for her is the fact that her parents were so supportive of her when she came out uh, as... Uh, as a lesbian, and they are supportive and loving of her, 
but she was nervous about what they would say when she, in a sense, came out as a Christian. And she didn't know what to do. And part of this process for her also uh, came to a head one night when we were, it's a long story about why how this was took place, but we were actually at a White Sox game together. And so there we were, and she's talking about the struggle about how do I tell my parents that I think I might be a Christian. Uh, and she's wrestling with this component of our identity, but also she was wrestling with something else too, a sense of who she was and how she would name that. She began to tell her story even more to me that night. And literally, as we stand up and sing, take me out to the ball game, she says to me, I think I might be an alcoholic. So this is just another component of her identity and who she was and what she was discovering about herself. And again, all of this different wrestling. But what I so appreciated about her, about that uh, time uh, that I spent with her, was the fact that she was really beginning to sense who she was, maybe as a person of faith, as a believer in Christ, and coming to terms with the fact that she might be an alcoholic. And she had put on, I think, some of the armor that maybe others were putting on her, either as, no, you can't be a person of faith, or no, you can't be an alcoholic. But she had the courage and the strength to finally name, this is who I am. Some of which might be worth celebrating. And others, others might look down upon, but also another part too is worth celebrating that she could name these things and begin to take the steps to truly live into the full identity of who she was and live a life uh, in which she would flourish. This is a struggle for so many of us. On the one hand, I hope that if you have an adolescent or a young adult in your life, that maybe you can have some patience with them as they try to figure out who they are. A reminder that they're trying all kinds of different things, that we might have compassion for them, sensitivity, patience. But as we view them and think about and reflect about this identity formation that they're going through, that we would use that in our own lives and ask ourselves the questions, who am I? Am I truly who God has created me to be? Or have I been so influenced by somebody else in my life that I'm living a false life? I'm not truly living authentically to how God created me. Friends, if that is you, I hope that you have the courage to be able to, as David did, to put away the armor that someone else has put on you, to take it off because You can't walk well in it, just as David did. That you would have that kind of relationship with God and a sense of who you are, that you can take all of that armor off and step forward and say, this really, truly is who I am. Whatever that is, this is truly how I believe God created me to be. And when you do so, that you can step forward, knowing that God is with you as you do. It won't always be easy. There will be slings and arrows that are shot at you, just like with David at at that time. But in the midst of it, that you can hold fast to God's presence in your life and step by step, that you might fully live into the person who you were created to be. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, As always, you can Reach out to me if you have any questions or need some pastoral support. My email is christian at urbanvillagechurch.org. Go to my website, christiancoon.com, and find the other podcasts that I put out. And I put up some blog posts as well. 
I hope that you'll think about supporting Urban Village. I put this announcement out from time to time. You can go to urbanvillagechurch.org give, and that's a really wonderful way for you to support the ministry that we are a part of. And so, friends, until the next time that uh, we are together, may the peace of Christ be with you. Though and thou only first in my heart, great God.